Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza and joining me today is... One of my favorite people in the entire industry, someone very, very influential in my personal journey, Mr. or shall I say Dr. Roto from SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio and DrRoto.com. We're going to be digging into a lot of stuff, but first, welcome to the show, Doc. Liz, it's been a while. How you doing? How's the family? Everybody good? Everybody is good. Knock on wood. We are back to school in person. Fingers crossed. Um, how about you? Like, I just... We have, I want to tell all of our listeners, you know, before I was at Yahoo, Doc was very uh, instrumental in helping me gain a paid career in this space. We worked together at Scout years ago, which has, you know, was one of the stepping stones that got us both to our respective places right now. But you're doing something exciting this season. Can you tell everyone about it quickly? Yeah. So after years of working for other people, as we well know, Liz, I decided to do my own thing. And I started DrRoto.com. And uh, it's been crazy. It's been the hardest thing I've ever done, but the best. So I just, you know, I wanted to work with people I liked, people I trusted, people I knew had the best information. And we're doing articles, podcasts, videos, DFS, betting, whatever you want. And you know what I love about it? It's mine. And I'm here to help people because, you know, as I, I, you know, my story, you know, I had a kidney transplant and the fantasy world helped me and I want to give back and I want to give back to people the same things that I use to win leagues. I want to help others win as well. And we're giving 2% of everything to charity, which makes it even better. That is awesome. Doc is one of the most generous people you will ever meet in this industry. Like I said at the top, he helped me on my path. Um, And while he is now working for himself, I am not. And I love the people I work for. So I want to make sure to plug them and make sure that everybody listening signs up for a fantasy team with Yahoo Fantasy. And if they really want to get an edge over their league mates this year, go ahead and give Yahoo Fantasy Plus a spin. We have all collectively at Yahoo Fantasy been working together, brainstorming ideas to really, really make this a top-notch product for all of you. We've got a trade hub, a research assistant, cheat sheets, all sorts of deep extra features on top of the Yahoo Fantasy that you already know and love. So sign up for a league and then go get your free trial of Yahoo Fantasy Plus at yahoo.com slash fantasy football. Doc, let's dig into some news now. I feel like every week, every podcast, everybody, me, Dalton, Matt, Andy, Scott, all end up talking about Saquon Barkley. But there's another news bit 
He's on track to play in week one. So is Kadarius, Tony, Kyle, Rudolph, and Kenny Galladay. By the way, they're all back to practice and in pads. What's your take on the Giants? Well, let's see. A lot of things I don't trust about the Giants, starting with their offensive line, which is a sieve, with their quarterback, Daniel Jones, who I don't think is really as good as uh, Dave Gettleman thought he was. Mm. The fact that I don't believe in Jason Garrett and never have. The fact that Joe Judge has overworked them this entire preseason, I think there's just so many things there that trouble me about the Giants that I'm not going to say that they're all hard passes for me because I never feel that way in a fantasy draft or in fantasy leagues, but I don't feel great about the Giants this year. So do I see myself drafting many of them? Probably not. What's your take on Saquon Barkley? Last week, Kate Majuk and I talked about how we anticipate a slow start and had moved him outside of our top 10 in our run- running back rankings. Uh, are you feeling similarly or are you more bullish? Well, look, I, I told many people this. I know Saquon's family. Okay, I know his uncle. I know his dad. I know his grandfather. I know the family. They're a great family. And he is a workout warrior. He's a supreme athlete. He is the hardest working kid I know. What I'll say is this. Are they going to ramp him up? Probably. Is he going to get 25 touches the first week back? They can't do that. He's their their investment, right? He's their future. So maybe he comes in for 12 touches. Then he comes in for 15 touches. So now we're looking at what? When do we finally get the Saquon that everybody needs to be successful? Week six, week seven. So I think he can win you a fantasy championship, but you got to get there first. Yeah, that is exactly my point. It's not about the talent. It's about the volume. And volume, as we all preach and know in fantasy, is absolutely king. So I think that the talent will come back, but I'm just not sure he's going to get the same amount of carries for the exact same reason you're saying, because Gettleman has invested such a historic amount of draft capital in this player that he can't risk it all, especially, as you mentioned a bit earlier, Daniel Jones not really ROIing on the draft capital put into him. So you and I are back there. Let's talk about another NFC East team, the Washington football team. Ron Rivera is confident that Curtis Samuel is going to play in week one. What do you see the ripple effects of Samuel being back looking like? I think that helps the team. So, I mean, there's nothing I don't like about Washington right now. I love Antonio Gibson. He's going in the first round of high stakes drafts all the time. I've taken him in a few myself. I love Terry McLaurin. What's not to like there? Logan Thomas. Putting Curtis Samuel on the field makes everybody better. Hard to double up on McLaurin when you've got Samuel. You know, Gibson, you know, they're going to use him, but you also have Samuel out of the backfield. I think he's just a gadget player with a bit more who they can use in a variety of ways. And then this way, Diami Brown becomes more of that third receiver on those go routes. So I think Samuel is a linchpin to making that offense really something special, so long as Fitzpatrick can stay healthy and on the field as well. What do you think of Fitzpatrick? As particularly, you know, people are probably still drafting. I'm a super flex fanatic. I think you like two QB leagues as well, especially with so much, uh, such an infusion of young talent at the position. What's your take on Fitzpatrick in super flex leagues? Obviously, I'm saying that because no one is drafting him in a single quarterback league. Well, look, I mean, I don't play as many super flex leagues. I prefer the high stakes leagues where we go with the one quarterback, but I will take Fitzpatrick as my backup. I mean, I don't think you can go into the year starting him as your number one, but in a super flex league, I think he's just fine. I think the question is this, as he's gotten older, you know, is he more of a sitting duck back there? There are a lot of good defenses in the NFC East, good pass rushes. So I like Fitzpatrick, but do I think he's going to make a 17 week season? I don't, which is why they invested in Kyle Allen, which is why they invested in Taylor Heineke. And are they the future? So I think Washington really needs to figure out who their quarterback is going to be in 2022 and beyond. 
Yeah, I just don't see Fitzpatrick getting benched the way that he was last year in favor for uh, the younger quarterback who doesn't have as much draft capital sunk into them, especially because, as you're mentioning, Washington is in this really solid window. I mean, they made the playoffs last year. I think they could take a run at it again in 2021. So as long as he's healthy, I think he's going to be their starter. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. So he's going to be the star. There's no two of their breathing down his neck, and they don't have to validate the draft pick. But I mean, look, can he stay healthy? We've seen, Fitzpatrick is one of those guys. He he's a little bit of a gunslinger, and he's a little bit of he, t- he takes that extra two yards. I don't think he should be doing that this year. They're in a position to win that division, and I think win it comfortably. They've got a great defense, and their offense is set. If he can just stay within himself and not try to do too much, they should be very successful. Oh, I just don't think that when you marry Scott Turner with Ryan Fitzpatrick and those two mindsets, they'll be able to resist. You make a good point. But when the games happen, like I am hoping they are A-G-G-R-E-S-S-I-V-E. Yes, I was a cheerleader for a brief time in junior high school. Um, Let's circle back to Curtis Samuel a second, because, you know, we saw last year he was schemed into scoring positions so fantastically and so smartly in Carolina. We know that he can be a red zone prospect. Does that cap the ceiling that Logan Thomas brings to the offense? Last year, Thomas, you know, 18 red zone targets, six touchdowns. We like that from a tight end, particularly a tight end going among the top, you know, eight to 10 on most uh, draft boards. Do you think that Samuel being back negatively affects uh, Thomas at all? I think when I think of Samuel, I look at Chase Claypool. How do the Steelers use him in that red zone, right? On those end arounds, those quick plays there. I don't think Samuel's getting six and seven touch rushing touchdowns. Maybe he gets two or three. You've got Antonio Gibson there. I do think Logan Thomas is a huge red zone target. So, I mean, I like Samuel, but I don't want to overrate Curtis Samuel. And here's the other thing about Curtis Samuel. He doesn't always stay healthy. He always misses three or four games a season. So I think he's, if he's my fourth receiver on a team, I feel good about it. If he's my third receiver, I'm not feeling very good about it. So a high tide lifts all boats sort of mentality when we're looking at Samuel in relation to the rest of the Washington football team offense. Uh, Let's switch back to the AFC now. Carson Wentz, Zach Pascal, and center Ryan Kelly are off the COVID list with 10 days left before their first regular season game. The Colts are just kind of a muddy, messy. You've got T.Y. Hilton banged up. I moved Michael Pittman, who I loved a lot coming out of last year's draft, uh, NFL draft, inside of my top 40. What's your take on Wentz? I will admit that before the injury, I was a little bit higher on him than the consensus, given the marriage, or the reunion, rather, with uh, Frank Reich. But once Ryan Kelly got, you know, or I'm sorry, once Quentin Nelson got hurt and all of the COVID stuff sorted to started to erode, I, I'm, I'm definitely bearish on the whole squad. You know, when you go from like good vibes to bad vibes very quickly, yeah. I think that's where we are with the Colts. It was yeah. very good vibes, right? Wentz looked good. Like you said, the reunion, Jonathan Taylor, I took him third overall in the FSGA draft, mm. you know, Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell. And now you just don't feel warm and fuzzy about it anymore, mm-hmm. right? You just feel kind of, you know, I guess better word, icky. Uh, am I going to draft Wentz? No. I mean, I still like Jonathan Taylor. I think there's a lot of ability there. I like Michael Pittman. I think a thousand yards and seven touchdowns is possible. I do like Paris Campbell as a deep sleeper. And if you want the deepest sleeper in the history of mankind, Kylan Granson, Frank Reich literally picked him in the fourth round out of SMU, went to Rice originally. The guy's got good hands, even though he's shown a lot of drops in camp, but they want him to be the tight end. So 
I think there are players there. The defense is still terrific, but Wentz has to be there, right? I worry about, you know, with, with COVID. I mean, could he, could he be out for an extended period of time? It's possible after his press conference today, which said he's not getting vaccinated. So I think there are issues there right now with Indianapolis that we need to worry about. I agree with you. I think the your per, the analogy is perfect from good vibes to bad vibes. I'm worried about his availability, whether it's due to injury or due to a protocols misunderstanding. We just saw Cam Newton, by the way, lose his job. Really? Because of a, a protocols misunderstanding. If we're That's really going to be honest why he lost about his it. job, by the way. He lost his job because Mac Jones is 10 times better a quarterback than Cam Newton. Fact. So I will say that there were uh, contributing factors. You do make some good points and you will continue. That's a tease to make some good points about Mac Jones a little bit later in the show. But I think when you add everything together in Indianapolis, what did seem promising just looks kind of gross. The only two players that I am really interested in, by the way, nice deep sleeper. You can always count on Dr. Roto for that sort of stuff. You've taught me, you know, I gained my uh, edge in this industry. I made a name for myself doing sleepers and you can tell uh, who here helped me along and inspired me because that was excellent. But yes, Pittman and Taylor, those are uh, two players that I am looking forward to drafting. Like I said, I have Michael Pittman a lot of places. I'm a little less excited about drafting Jonathan Taylor because his draft capital is so high. And, you know, he had the benefit of a really solid offensive line at Wisconsin. And we were expecting him to have that again this year in Indianapolis. But it's not as um, seal-tight a situation as I think we anticipated it to be. So the funny thing about when people draft is that if you draft early enough, Jonathan Taylor was going third or fourth overall. Mm-hmm. I did an NFFC draft where I got him in the middle of the second round at number 20th overall. Now he's going back about 11 or 12. So depending, people are just like up and down with the Colts. They don't know what to do. Yeah. On a good day, you'll get him you know, 20th. And on a bad day, he'll go fifth. So I think everybody's got their own opinion of the Colts. I know mine is stay away unless his name is Michael Pittman right now. Yeah. All right. So we're in lockstep there. Um, I So you know that I uh, like to read my horoscope on occasion. I might have a couple of the apps that tell me what's going on, planetarily speaking. And I saw a notification come up saying that I was going to have to deal with grudges this week. And because I work in the fantasy space, my mind immediately went to like, oh, that means Joe Mixon. <laughs> because um, I feel like we all as a community, and again, I know that you have a take on this and you're going to get to have your space We tend to hold grudges against players, um, against narratives, or even philosophies, right? Like there is a, this is the way I've always done it, and this is the way I'm always going to do it. And when I think, so so I wanted to do a segment. I wanted to talk about these fantasy grudges, because I think we need to like air out our grievances a little bit, talk through some issues, and see if we are holding on to things that are necessary or can can totally be filtered out, vented, and we can let go of. Like, we can be like Elsa in Frozen and just let it go. So I was thinking about players immediately, and Joe Mixon was the first player that came to mind. Now, I will admit that I'm fairly high on Mixon this season, and I am not holding a fantasy grudge against him. The industry, the community... Fantasy Twitter, on the other hand, my goodness, anytime I see someone tweet about Joe Mixon, people go wild. He's done it to me before. Recency bias. He's never put it together. He's, you know, can't can't meet his full potential. But 
this is to, to me still a player that is very, very talented. So if we're looking at a fantasy grudge, I'm going to say, let it go. Mixon went from evading 6.4 tackles per game. That was the RB1 in 2019 to just 4.7 per game in 2020. Now you're like, oh, well, that's less. So why is that great? You don't want a running back who evades a bunch of tackles because that means the O-line is crap and they're trying to dodge a bunch of giant defenders. It's great that Mixon is able to evade these defenders because of Cincinnati's O-line. But the fact that he saw fewer stacked boxes with the presence of Joe Burrow under center means he had better running lanes. You add Jamar Chase, who, yes, I admit, I have said I expect to have a slow start, and that field is going to be further stretched, allowing Joe Mixon to, I believe, put it together. And also, even if you don't think he's going to be efficient, I might think you're wrong, you have to imagine that with Gio Bernard now in Tampa Bay, his ability and opportunity as a pass catcher will be highlighted. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I like Joe Mixon. I do. And I think he it's in a, a very, high, I don't want to say high-octane offense in the Bengals in the same sentence because that's a little uh, risky there. Sure. But I do think it's a pass-first offense. I mean, they threw the ball a lot before Burrow got injured. I do think Jamar Chase will be much better than people anticipate. I don't care if he had a bad training camp. I care what he looks like week one. But Mixon's one of those guys who's always tantalized us with his ability, right? He can run. Yep. He can catch. He can do it all. Can he stay on the field? Right. So what happens is every year we always say to ourselves, this guy screwed me last year. I'm not drafting this guy this year. Wasn't personal. Joe Mixon doesn't know you. Joe Mixon didn't say I'm going to hurt your fantasy team. So I think we've got to forgive and forget. Right. So I'm willing to forgive if a guy's got ability and Joe Mixon's got plenty of, of ability. And I think it's the people who don't want to take Mixon. And then they pass on Mixon. And then all of a sudden, you could have had him in round two. And you look back at the draft after the season's over, and you're like, this guy had a great year. And you passed on Joe Mixon because you were hung up with your, I won't take him because I have a grudge. You were holding the grudge. That's exactly right. You got to let it go. And I think Joe Mixon is a player that you got to let go of that grudge on. Out of curiosity, where do you have him ranked? I think I have Mixon 12th. Something like that. Yeah. I won't take him in the first round, but I'll take him in the second round, you know, mid, mid second round comfortably. I'll feel good, good about that. I have him RB12 as well. Let's do two would you rathers Clyde Edwards Hilaire or Joe Mixon? Mixon, but it's really close. Yeah. And Najee Harris or Joe Mixon? Najee Harris by a lot. Okay. All right. What's your take on Najee Harris while we're on him, actually? Because I feel like he's another divisive player. No grudge because he's new, but still. You know, it's, you know, you mentioned fantasy Twitter and stuff before. I don't look at that stuff. I know I should, and I know I'm in the industry for a long time, but I don't really look at what other people do. And I think it's one of the reasons I'm really comfortable with what I think, right? I've been doing this a very long time. You know that. And I win a lot of leagues. You know that. Why? Because I trust my instincts. I trust what I'm seeing out there. Now, I appreciate everybody putting out all these stats, but at the end of the day, the eyes don't lie. If I see something that I like and I watch a lot of football, I watch the game rewinds, I watch college football. Here's what I know about Najee Harris. He's really good. He can catch, he can run, he's big, he can run by the goal line, he can run anywhere. So does the Steelers offensive line stink? Yeah. Does that mean he's not going to get 240 touches? Probably going to get 255 touches. Opportunity equals points. Points equals fantasy success. Doc, continue talking about, because when I wrote up this grudge segment, you you know, you didn't necessarily put players in. So tell me about your thoughts on fantasy grudges. I have zero grudges, okay? <laughs> Maybe in real life I may have one or two, but I really don't have that, that many. But the truth is this. I call myself in many ways a fantasy mercenary, okay? 
I grew up rooting for the Giants. I live in Southwest Florida, so I see Tampa all the time. I don't really care anymore if the Giants or Tampa win or lose. It doesn't ruin my day. What ruins my day is if my fantasy team wins or loses, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think about grudges. I think who can help me win a championship this year? So I've learned to forgive and forget. I don't want to have an elephant a memory of an elephant in real life, but not in fantasy. Because when you remember, this guy screwed me back in 1992. Come on now, let's move on, right? So I think that people who adapt, who don't worry about what happened last year, always learn from last year, but this year's a new year. Will I draft Joe Mixon? Very much so, right? So, but I, I don't ever want to sit there and go, this guy hurt me, this guy ruined it for me. If you start thinking that way, you're not winning leagues. That's an interesting, interesting take. So you're telling me that you are healthy mentally, emotionally, and spiritually because you're not on social media. Oh no, I'm on social media. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't let, I don't get, I don't, let's put it this way. When everybody's saying they hate Joe Mixon, I know what I think of Joe Mixon and it's okay. So I appreciate what people are trying to say, but I don't need to pile on or anything. I know my opinion of him. He's my 12th running back. If he's there in the late second round, I'm going to take him. I, I, I appreciate the reminder. I think it's something we can all focus on a little bit more. Trust your instincts. Watch the tape. Andy Barons and Chris Harris have done pods together, and they are notorious tape grinders. Always, always talk about talent being the tiebreaker. So, Doc, I, I love that you bring that perspective to our listeners and to all of your work. I do think, however, though, that sometimes when you watch enough tape and you have enough data, it is okay to make a sound decision about a player. Now, whether you decide to carry the risk that you, the, the perceived risk that this player brings because of the conclusion you've come to about him is another story. But I, for instance, believe that Eric Ebron does not have good hands. And I think that probably the Pittsburgh Steelers are in alignment with that belief about their tight end, despite the fact that Ben Roethlisberger and Eric Ebron heading into last year headlined all these puff pieces about their bond and, and their eventual red zone chemistry because the Steelers went out and drafted in the second round Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State now. I don't have to tell you this, but in case people listening don't know who Pat Fryermuth is or the fact that Penn State has consistently produced some rather athletic players at the position, most recently Mike Gusecki, then you need to uh, to catch up a little bit because Pat Fryermuth has had a fantastic preseason. He's caught two touchdowns, and we like to see that from our tight ends. Now, another fantasy narrative, obviously, is that rookie tight ends can't produce for fantasy in their first year, but I do think they can have their weeks and be streamable. What do you think about that? They are streamable. Uh, I think it's easy to catch a, t a touchdown. It's hard to block and go out for patterns and learn how to do everything that a tight end needs to do. So that's why you see rookie tight ends not really be great fantasy investments. I, I think I want to get, I want to talk about something I think is truly important. I'm very definitive about the players I like and dislike when I draft right? So when you say Eric Ebron, it's no, right? It's not even maybe it's no, right? So it's not that I have fantasy grudges or not. It's mm. that I know exactly the players that I like and the players I don't like. And I think it's when people are wishy-washy is when they don't become committed to a team. So what I'm trying to get at is when I go to a draft or, or a salary cap league, there are just guys who I know are my guys, right? And they're guys I'm looking at. 
So do I like Fryermuth? I do, but what is he going to give me? Not enough. So that doesn't mean I don't like him. I do. And he's somebody I might file away for a couple of years from now. Yeah, but this exactly. year I'm trying to win. So I'm going to go with John U. Smith or Mike Gasecki or somebody like that. And I'm going to wait, let somebody else take Fryermuth, And I'm going to move on from that. I totally agree. I don't think Fryermuth is someone that you're drafting right now. Um, but I do think it's important to stay ahead of the game and file away, as you said, these these rookie names, especially as they are encroaching on a position that a vet has held for a while. Eric Ebron has been a fantasy name for a while. Every year, there are a bunch of pieces about how this is it. This is going to be the resurgence, and he's going to be a red zone target. Now, I, you cannot deny that the man has drop problems, that he has focus drops issues, that he has bad, I don't want to say bad hands, because I think that that's a little bit derogatory. He has bad hands. He has bad hands. So here's where fantasy Twitter is my favorite, okay? Chris Herndon gets traded from the Jets to the Vikings, and people are like, you should look at Chris Herndon. Only look at Chris Herndon if you want a guy who can't catch the football, okay? At the end of the day, the ball's in the air, you got to catch it. Eric Ebron doesn't catch it. Chris Herndon doesn't catch it, period. Definitive. You said you were definitive, and there it is. Yes. So. I think Eric Ebron has bad hands, and I think that that's why Pat Fryermuth is someone to track moving forward. Again, not drafting him. What are some other players, as you're speaking um, about how definitive you are, your guys, not your guys, give me one of your absolutely trying to get in every draft and one that you are fading no matter what. I'm trying to get Kenneth Gainwell from the Eagles in every league I'm in, especially PPR leagues. Um, Why? Because I think the Eagles are getting behind the most every game that they're in. I think the offense is a little bit of a train wreck, as is the defense. And I think Doug Peterson's probably going to get fired at some point. Um, I think he, do you know why Antonio Gibson played wide receiver at Memphis? Because Kenneth Gainwell was the running back. That's why. That's how good he is. So here's what's going to happen. Miles Sanders regresses. Gainwell becomes a bigger part of this offense than you think. Here's the beautiful thing. You're getting him in around 11 or 12. Maybe in a home league, you're taking him round 16. I know that in high stakes leagues, he was. Go- I was getting him in round 14 of every draft, and now I've got to take him in 11 or 12 because other people are on to what I'm on to. This is a guy who could have 50 receptions, could have 400. Imagine Gio Bernard with more running ability. Mm-hmm. That's a great comp for him. That's a great comp. Yeah. So you're you're high on Kenneth Gainwell. Is there? We can talk about. Let's should we t- like what? Let's talk about rookies. But first, I want to hear a player that you're I, I, understanding that you know if somebody drops too far, you will always reconsider. But a guy that you are generally staying away from or fading. Amari Cooper. Not that I okay. don't like him, but I like. I think CD Lamb is the true number one receiver for Dallas. And then I ask myself these two questions. Amari Cooper, who, what cornerbacks does he see? Darius Slay and James Bradbury. They're covering Cooper. Cooper doesn't perform as well on the road as he does at home. Well, that's a bunch of games each year. So now if I don't like the home and road splits, I don't like the fact that he's really the number two behind Lamb and he's drawing the toughest cornerbacks that the other team has. Do I really want Amari Cooper in round three? I know I don't, but I'm really happy when somebody takes him before I pick in round three. Mm-hmm. Any takes on Michael Gallup while we're talking about Dallas? I mean, I like Michael Gallup, but I think he's more of that DFS guy where yeah. he has a couple of weeks where, wow, he just had, you know, two touchdowns and 120 yards. And then the next week he goes three for 40 and you're like, what happened? So I think you've got to use him judiciously. So if he's my fifth receiver, I definitely will play him three weeks, especially by weeks, but he's not a guy I'm rolling with every week. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I want to talk about my rookie since we're going to let's 
we're just we're talking about rookies now and we talked about Friar Muth. you talked about Gainwell this is another rookie that I don't think you want to draft so if you're out drafting this is a this is a pick for those of you listening who have already drafted there are plenty of you this is your file away stack this is your pin put a pin in him and put him on your bulletin board your vision board whatever it is you're working with I have been very interested in Josh Palmer since he was drafted by the Chargers. He's a jump ball specialist. And when I look at the opportunity there, I am intrigued by him. And now that Tyron Johnson has been released by the team, I am even more excited about Palmer. Like I said, jump ball specialist out of Tennessee. He still managed to produce, even though the quarterback talent at Tennessee was absolutely abysmal. Um, I think when you think about Hunter Henry leaving behind 90 targets, when you think about the fact that Mike Williams is regularly hurt and you fold in the fact that Jared Cook is, what, 34 years old, it looks to me like Josh Palmer has won that third wide receiver job. And I, I think it could be he could be exciting. Like, I'm not expecting anything to happen at the top of the season. But once injuries and buys start piling up midseason, I think he's going to he's going to be one of those bi week fill ins or a DFS play. And how about the fact that I don't think the Chargers are going to sign Mike Williams to a contract? And how about the fact that Mike Williams can't make it through a season ever? So yeah. I agree with you, Josh Palmer. I mean, Tennessee's quarterback situation was really bad, but he did play his best games against the toughest teams, which I really like to see as well. So I think there's a lot there to like with Palmer. And of course, Justin Herbert is there. So look, I think the Chargers, here's a, here's a little tip for you guys. You want to bet on the coach of the year? How about Brandon Staley? How many games did Anthony Lynn lose last year? Because he's not a very good coach, but I think all those three-point games that they lost, I think they win this year. I think Austin Eckler's back healthy. I love him as a top five pick in PPR. You throw in a little Keenan Allen. You throw in a little Mike Williams, a little Josh Palmer. I think you're onto something. Yeah, I mean, you saw Austin Eckler's my boy. Eckler's edge every week, midweek throughout the NFL season. Me and Austin chopping it up. So I'm obviously very, very bullish on Austin. And I, I'm excited for that offense um, and Joe Lombardi coming over from New Orleans, like that is super exciting. I mean, he's the OC. You mentioned Staley because he's the HC and obviously, you know, blessed by the McVeigh Association. Um, should be an exciting one to watch. Um, and another team that's like going through a transformation, not with their head coach, but with their quarterback position is New England. Here's your opportunity to stand for Mac Jones, give it to us, Doc. Yeah, so look, I, if anybody's listened to me, whether it's on Sirius or wherever you've heard me before, Cam Newton stinks, okay? He, he didn't get caught because of vaccination or no vaccination. He got caught because Mac Jones got caught because Mac Jones is better, okay? When Cam throws off his back foot, you know what you find? He throws it either 30 feet in the air, he throws it at their shoelaces. Go back to Mac Jones's week one of preseason. He threw every ball in a place where the receiver could catch the ball, and get the yards after catch, that yak. Receivers never got any yak with Cam because there was no yak to get. They were lucky to catch it without getting themselves killed. Here's the other thing. I guarantee you if there was an exam between Mac and Cam about who understood the playbook better, it was Mac Jones. Oh, yeah. And the players knew that. So here what happened when, Matt, when Cam was out for those few days, Belichick couldn't go back to the team and say, Mac is not our quarterback because this guy was outperforming him every step of the way. I know there have been Tom Brady comps, 
And I get those comps. Why? Because he's accurate and because he's not necessarily mobile. And of course, he doesn't, you know, he didn't have the greatest physique when he was at the, the combine, but the kid's a winner. Okay. Look at what Alabama did last year. I know they had a lot of good players, but he's supremely accurate and you don't, you can't teach accuracy. The only quarterback I've seen improve his accuracy dramatically is Josh Allen. And you know why he did? Because they added Diggs and Beasley and great route runners. That helped Josh Allen. I think Mac Jones, he's going to help Jacoby Myers. He's going to help Aguilar. It helps Damian Harris because now Cam's not stealing the touchdowns. If the New England was going to get back to the, a deep run in the playoffs, it had to be Mac Jones on center. I am so surprised that people are so surprised by Mac Jones. If anybody watches tape at Alabama or even read like a wiki article about him, this is a kid who is sneaky smart. Eric Edholm and I talked about how he is, we talked earlier about being self-aware, right? Knowing yourself, being therapized, letting go of grudges. I think Mac Jones understands his physical limitations and has made up for them intellectually by completely understanding the game. He's a kid, he's the child of lawyers, by the way, and also has a tennis background. And that tennis background, Josh Rosen aside, has allowed him to have a precision to his game, I believe, that is not as um, prevalent among other quarterbacks right now because the emphasis has been on rushing. He knows he doesn't have that mobility in his skill set, so he's made up for it in other ways, which just happens to be a perfect fit with Bill Belichick. I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, look, I, I, here's something I'll say about another guy in the AFC, Zach Wilson. His teammates mm. love him because when they went to the Islander game, right, when they were playing, the, trying to get to the Stanley Cup, he was hanging out with the offensive linemen. Mac Jones has made connections with everybody on this team. That's very important, right? It's one of the reasons what these guys, these linemen especially, they take a lot of pounding during the year. So they have to really want to work for their quarterback. And I think they really want to work for Mac Jones. I think he puts in the work, right? And when he leads by example, those other guys follow suit. And I think that I don't know whether New England is going to be more than a nine-game winner this year. But I think that they're onto something to really propel them to 11 and 12 wins moving forward. I know that you talk about watching tape, and I agree with you. But just to put some stats to it, per PFF, Mac Jones has, been, has had the highest graded preseason by a rookie quarterback since the PFF preseason era back in 2013 with a grade of 92.2 just behind him. Patrick Mahomes in 2017 with a grade of 91.8. I'm not making Patrick Mahomes comps here, but I am just trying to put some numbers to what Doc is saying because I do agree. Both Mac Jones and, you know, we're, we're all this debate about Trey Lance and Justin Fields and which of these two quarterbacks is going to start when you've got Zach Wilson and you got Mac Jones out there week one real life starters. But I will say this, Liz, I think Trey Lance can win somebody a fantasy championship. Have you seen his schedule? The last oh, four weeks of the great. season, it's like uh, Atlanta, Cincinnati, Tennessee, and, and the Texans. Are you kidding me? I think I could throw for 300 yards against those four teams. So I can just tell you this. Trey Lance may not do a lot the first five or six games, but you watch those last four games when you need to win your championship, he will be starting. So, uh, you know, a lot of the high-stakes players are on Trey Lance, and they're taking him in around 10 or 11 because they're seeing what I'm seeing with that schedule. Yeah, but you're going to have to play that game, that stashing game, not knowing, you know, he's going to take up a roster spot. So you got to, uh, we don't know. I mean, the opening schedule for the 49ers, by the way, is not too bad. I do think that 
Jimmy Garoppolo is going to hold on to the gig because, or he should be able to. I mean, if he can't hold on to what Detroit in week one, and I think Philly in week two, then you're going to see Trey Lance in week three against Green Bay. But I do think that Garoppolo should be able to hold on. There's a whole trade conversation piece. So I agree with you about Trey Lance's upside. Uh, Austin Eckler and I talked about him on Eckler's Edge. The question is, how long are you going to have to use that roster spot before hoping that you can use him for your championship and playoff run? You know, look, it's a great question. So I play in most 99% of my leagues are 20 rounds, right? But if I'm in a, a league that's 16 rounds, then you might not want Eckler, right? Yeah. I mean, sorry, then you might want, you want Eckler. You may not want Lance, right? <laughs> so I think it depends on your league. If 20 rounds, you definitely stash Lance. Anything less than that, I hear you, but you better keep him on that watch list sure. because if somebody gets him before you, you might lose your league because of it. Or you're going to blow all your fab trying to get him, right? Like the, the hope is if you don't get him, that you can either package a trade with a player who is hurting in a situation, or you, you hope that someone just out of desperation ends up dropping him and then you can scoop him from the waiver wire. But I think, you know, prop, I would be, if I am not able to get him and I am watching Jimmy Garoppolo's play over the first two weeks, then I am going to be peppering the the manager who does have him rostered with trade proposals all the time. He is going to be a priority get for the second half of the season. Yeah. If, if Jimmy Garoppolo is the answer to the question, the, uh, the actual question is who's going to be benched week three. Okay? Uh, yeah, yeah. Doc, doc. I have a special, a special place in my heart. I know he's good looking. Place. I didn't say that. But he's I, didn't say, I did not bring up his looks. I did not bring up his looks. I am just saying we have a connection. I've interviewed him. He happens to have gone to my rival high school. I am rooting for him as uh, someone who grew up in the Northwest suburbs of Chicago. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. You talked about Damian Harris. I have been pounding the table for Damian Harris, I feel like, since, oh, June? I Well, before that, actually. I loved him coming out of Alabama because he is a player who does so much well, even if he doesn't flash. And I like reliable, loyal humans, God forbid. Um, so I have been pounding the table for him. But I have also been watching Ramondre Stevenson because um, he he's got, he's got an interesting situation, you know, and He's had an up-and-down summer. At first, Ivan Fears, who is the running backs coach in New England, compared him to LeGarrette Blunt. And then a couple, like a month or so later, when asked, what does Stevenson do well, he said nothing. Fears <laughs> said, like, not a whole lot. Like, kind of dragged him. And obviously in New England, you're dealing with some, like, psychology and some coach speak and a whole lot of uh, intentional shade, motivational shade, I guess you could say. But Stevenson has answered. I mean, he is actually, and I know these numbers don't, quote, matter, but it is worth stating that he was the league leader in rushing yards and touchdowns over preseason action. And that performance was enough to push Sony Michelle all the way to the other side of the country. So Ramondre Stevenson, again, if we're looking at rookies to pin, to put on the bulletin board, the vision board, I like Stevenson. He's an imposing presence. He's got some baby blunt vibes. He's obviously the number two to Damian Harris. You mentioned Cam Newton not being there in the goal line, being more of an opportunity, especially for a player like Stevenson with his build and skill set. So again, gonna I'm going to tab him. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. So look, Stevenson and Michelle are very similar players, both not great catchers of the football, but good runners. So when you didn't need Michelle, Right. And when the Rams did to get a couple of picks for him made a lot of sense. So Jason conditional Braddock, picks, by the way, late round conditional picks. Yeah. 
So Jason Braddock, who works at DrRoto.com, who I've known literally since one of my very first days in the industry, he's been talking about Stevenson from, from his days in college. He loves Stevenson. So here's what I say. You have to, there's certain handcuffs that you need, right? And so when you had J.K. Dobbins, if you didn't have Gus Edwards, you suffered. If you have uh, Christian McCaffrey, you want Shuba Hubbard, otherwise you may suffer. I think that the Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson handcuff is viable, really viable, because I think if Harris should not play, Stevenson comes in. I think, remember what LeGarrette Blunt did, 100 yards, couple of touchdowns, maybe he only caught eight passes a year. Doesn't matter when you're running for 100 yards and two touchdowns a week. That's some fantasy goodness there. I I totally agree. And Damian Harris is a player who has dealt with some durability issues. Also, it's a 17-week season. Like, these running backs are going to miss time. It is just going to happen. So I think when you are trying to find a backup and roster them, Stevenson, I agree, is, uh, is, is definitely a candidate. All right, so this is the last big weekend for drafting right? Like it's Labor Day weekend. I'm going to enjoy my last summer of freedom. I hope you do too. What is some sage, can you prescribe from the doctor some sage advice for any final weekend drafters? Well, absolutely. I think now a lot of people like drafting now. Why? Because you know who's been cut. No injuries like with Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins and ETN. You know who's on the rosters. So the ADP starts to be more crystallized at this point. Now it's about going in and figuring out where you're drafting. And what I like to do is really look at roster construction. So let's say you're at pick four. What are you doing in round one? What are you doing in round two? When are you taking your next receiver? So I think winning fantasy football leagues is like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. Where do the pieces fit? And where do you want to take those pieces and push them together? If you can figure that out, that's why I like doing more than one league, because it gives you some options to play around with it. And I think a lot of people like me, a lot of experts who do a lot of high stakes leagues will be in 10, 15, 20 leagues because it gives us that flexibility to find those guys we like. So look, do your homework, find great sites like Yahoo and DrRoto.com. Let the experts help you get to that championship because, right, listen, when you draft, it's only part of it. What happens when the season starts? Mm -hmm. It's being on the cutting edge, knowing who to cut, knowing who to trade for, knowing these things that separates the winners from the non-winners. Sage advice as always. Doc, what can fans look forward to from you at drroto.com this season? What are you most excited? Which feature are you most excited about on your own site? Well, years ago, I did a YouTube, um, a DFS video with my friend, Willie Walls, and we stopped it a couple of years ago. And one of the first people I called and when I started the, uh, the site, I said, Willie, we need you back on the site and we're going to do our videos again. So every Friday night, we'll be doing our NFL DFS videos. I'm excited about my podcast, right? The Visionary Podcast, the Prescription Notes Podcast, the Waiver Wire Podcasts. Look, if you can't tell, I'm very shy. I love connecting <laughs> with people, right? I love being able to help people. And the truth is, is that Discord is, this, is a new way that people can ask questions. And it's a way that, you know, we, ask, we answer questions on Twitter, but look, when you subscribe to a site, you want access to the people. So we're there in Discord. We're trying to help. We want people to find success. It's not just competing in leagues, but it's winning in leagues. So I'm just excited really to help people. And I know this is going to sound crazy, Liz, but when, when my picks don't come through on a weekend, as rare as that may be, I feel guilty 
right? I feel like I let people down and that's something that I rarely want to do. So I am always prepared because I really want to give people the best advice out there. You know, you just mentioned something pretty cool, which I I think when you, and this is, I do this and I would advise our listeners to do this. If you ever have an opportunity to chat with a quote expert or fantasy analyst who's working in the space, I always like to ask them, which do you prioritize, your own leagues or your picks for the week? And you will learn a lot about that person's person and work ethic by their answer. I will say right now that I don't care about winning my leagues. I care about going 100. I don't have all of the players rostered on the uh, that, that I am talking about. And the players that I am advocating for, I can't get them all right? I'm going to try to get them. The sleeper segment that I do, the waiver wire pickups, I can't roster all of those players on all of my teams. But I prioritize, and it sounds like you do too, my picks, the players that I am talking about, over those that I am starting on my personal teams. Now, I'm not in as many high stakes, big money leagues as Doc is. So, you know, I don't have as much financial investment. But I think that's, I think that's an important thing when listeners are seeking advice, ask the people out there, which do you care more about your person, your personal uh, title or my personal title? Yeah, no. And, and it, this is personal. I think that's a great word. It's personal. I mean, look at all the relationships and friendships we've made over the years. Mm. Why? Because we're invested in the success of people who follow us. And I think when I give a pick, I will use those picks on my DFS lineups if I can't use them in my own fantasy lineup. So I always want to give people authenticity, right? I will never give you a pick that I won't use myself. And there are people in this industry who can't always say do that. Yep. So to me, it's about, you know, I, I say this, if I came in second in every league, but everybody out there won their league, I would feel that was a great season because I did right by everybody. Absolutely. That is exactly what I'm talking about. If my team ends up being a dumpster fire because I was too busy working on an article or tweaking my rankings and didn't have a chance to adjust my own roster, then I don't, then that's fine. As long as the picks that, as long as my rankings were accurate or the advice that I gave somebody else worked, then I don't care if I didn't have time to sub someone out because there was a last minute injury and I was live on FFL and prioritizing that over my own team. I 100% agree with you. And also that goes the other way, by the way, everyone. If we give you some advice and it doesn't work out, know that we took it too. Oh yeah. And look, I take it personally. Like I feel badly. I mean, so look, the truth of the matter is this. I want to win too. I don't want to lose my leagues, but it's so important for me for, to have people win their leagues because it makes yes. them want to come back and love the game that we love, right? This is a game. This is our passion. I mean, this is what we do for a living, right? We we found a way to earn a living with and do our passion at the same time. So it's about people's success and really finding that success. Doc is saying that he loves you, basically. You love everyone. <laughs> yeah, most people, yes. I, I try my best. <laughs> that was a bit of an inside joke. So they... <laughs> thank you guys. Make sure to follow Doc on Twitter at Dr. Roto. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at LizLoza underscore FF. And you'll want to double check that you're following at Yahoo Fantasy to stay up to date on the latest fantasy news and analysis. Enjoy the long weekend, everyone. Matt Harmon, Scott Pianowski, and Dalton Del Don will be back with an episode filled with predictions for the upcoming season on Tuesday morning. Until then, we're out. 
around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.